0: I like what I feel. I like what the Lord is doing in this place tonight. Thank you, Silver Tones, for taking us into the presence of the Lord tonight. I'm thankful that I know something about the blood. And I know something about the one who shed that blood. And I know something about the love that He has for all of us. That He has shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for being here I feel like I'm blessed when I was listening to all of this singing a while ago. I could not help but weep uh at the presence of the Lord and to realize where we've come from, the blessings of God that have been upon us. So grateful that Brother and Sister Glass could be here tonight again. He is not um, used to having to do two services on Sunday. He He's kind of... Moved into retirement mode and I begged him, you, we'll let you sit down, we'll let you stand up, whatever you want to do. But I'm so delighted. I listened this morning and this is what I come to realize. That if the Lord had waited until this generation, and I'm not being critical tonight, but if he had waited till this generation... To give the revelation that came at the turn of the century. I'm not sure we would have enough courage to take the stand that these men took in order for us to enjoy what we have tonight. And that, that sounds really critical, but this is what I learned about my elders. It wasn't an opinion. It was a conviction. There was one God... His name was Jesus. Amen. There was one way of salvation. They weren't mean. They just didn't back up from it. And they didn't blink about it. And I'm thankful that somebody did that for me one day. And they said, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. It's not an option. You don't have the choice. This is, if you want to be saved... You're going to have to come the glory way. Amen. And I'm grateful for that. Brother Glass has such a wealth of experience and so many things that he could share with us tonight. I know time would not allow that. But I want him to come and I want him to take his liberty. And uh, we're going to be ready to receive that word tonight. Uh, One of the greatest men that I have ever uh, come to know in my life. Remember when I was just a teenager, Brother Glass came to Wichita Falls and he preached a message that night called, My son, give me thine heart. Little did he know, All of the wars that were going on in my young mind about following the will of God. That night I remember laying on an altar and I said, God, I want to give you all of my heart. And I'm thankful that I did. I'm grateful tonight that he's with us. Brother Glass, we love you. Thank you for coming and sharing with us tonight.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. I'll let you be seated. I found out in a Pentecostal service, three of them. I learned that a long time ago. You may be seated. I learned that a long time ago. And it's been a privilege and a pleasure to be with you. And oh, I love that singing. I love that singing. I just love Pentecostal people. You know that? I love to hear them talk. I love to hear them sing. I love to hear them pray. I remember many nights going home and hearing my mother praying for me. And you can imagine what it did to me then. You know, almost resented it, but I really didn't. And uh, it's just so wonderful to hear people pray not mumble but really pray thank god i thank god for your pastor and his wife they doing to me you're doing a, a, a tremendous job here praise god i mean a tremendous job and uh and I'm, i would say i'm amazed but i'm not amazed because you've got a tremendous couple and they're putting they've got their heart in this, and when you put a pastor like him with the knowledge he has and with his heart in the work, you're going to see something great happen, and you're seeing it right here. Praise God, thank God for it. And I mentioned about when you have that new building, I believe you're going to have a, a, a landslide of people coming in. praise God, Praise God. Praise God. Bless the Lord. And the Lord is so, so wonderful. And it's been my pleasure and privilege to be here today. Praise God. I've been around a while. You know, I was thinking a while ago, uh, I, I volunteered for the Air Force on September 27th, 1950. And uh, I went in and, and I went to a when I, I got to my base in Selma, Alabama, Alabama, and I saw a little phonograph. It cost $19, and I bought it. And, of course, 19 then was, you know, you can imagine what it was then. And I bought it, and, and uh, then they gave me orders to go overseas. And I went to Lake Charles, Louisiana, to get on the plane to go. And uh I had luggage, I had 20 pounds too much. And that's what that little phonograph weighed, 20 pounds. And why in the world I didn't think of just laying it aside. I could have bought another one. I mean for that, you know. But I wouldn't. I carried it with me. I paid the $20 extra. And then on the plane, you talk about a load. I had my duffel bag, had a bag and I had that thing. And what a load. Got on the plane, went out oh, a couple of hours, and they turned around and came back because of the bad weather. And then we landed and waited eight hours before we could take off again. Got on the plane again and we went and got to and got to uh El Paso and had trouble with the plane that forced landing there. And I had that luggage there to fool around with. You couldn't check it. I don't know why I couldn't. And then finally we got on a plane and went on to San Francisco. And I had that luggage struggling with it. But then as I started to get off, one of the fellas there said, hey, let me help you. And oh, that was a godsend. And I went on to my to my base where we were to get ready to go overseas, and I still had that phonograph. I took my shots, went to the um, uh, holding flight where I was to wait for my flight to come, and I took that little phonograph out and started playing. I had, I had eight records by the Blackwood Brothers, and I took it out and I started playing. And I thought I was the only one in the upper bay. And uh then all of a sudden a tall fellow walks up and says, Hey, I like that. Would you mind if I listen? I said, No, no, no. And so he started listening. He said, I'm I'm Clifford Gustafson. I'm from New Jersey. And he said, I, I I love that music. I said, Well wonderful and we talked a while and I started mentioning church. He said, Oh, I'm I'm Presbyterian, he says I go about once a quarter said, that's all. You don't need to be in church more than that. And so we talked a while. And uh, then his name was Gustafson in Mine Glass. In other words, geez. I stayed in that shipping flight for a month. And I got KP every other day. I was right in the place where I got KP. But the amazing thing is he got it too. If I was washing pots and pans, he was drying them. If I was sweeping the floor, he was on the broom next to me. Whatever I was doing, he was right there. And I was talking to him all all the time. And finally, he said, well, look, he says, you're just, you go overboard on that. I "That, I I don't think that's necessary. And anyhow, he finally got orders to go overseas, and he went. He left two weeks before me, and I forgot him. I flew back on to Okinawa, and I was there about oh three or four weeks. And uh I got a phone call. He said, "Hello, Art. This is Gus. Remember me?" No, I didn't remember him. I said, "Oh, how you doing, Gus? Bye, it's good to hear from you." I didn't know who I was talking to. <laughs> and he said, can I come see you? I'm off tomorrow. I said, come on. The next day I was taking the Jeep to motor pool. And uh, on the way I saw him, recognized immediately. I pulled up. He crawled in. And uh, how are you doing, Hardy? He said, listen, about that speaking in tongues, I don't believe a word of it. I said, oh, I've got him now. God's got him and so we drove to my office and we stayed talking all day long and it was just a short while that we walked to the China Sea and I baptized him in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and he received the Holy Ghost and others started coming and God started blessing us abundantly there with people coming and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, I said, hey, Gus, i got a, a, a friend at home I sure like if you to write. He said, give me your name. And I did. And he came home and married her. I really got in his life. As a matter of fact, I just got a call yesterday. She's at the point of death. He died a few years, just about five or six years ago, and she should not last the rest of this week. But God bless Clifford Gustafson with a wonderful wonder. He was one of our finest evangelists. God bless Clifford Gustafson so mightily. But all because of that little old phonograph that I, I don't know why, I thought, why didn't I lay it aside? Why didn't I send it home? I didn't do it. I had to carry it with me, but Lord knew why. And I said, Lord, well, you, I had to have a struggle with it. You, know, you could have made it a little bit easier, you know, but he didn't. I struggled, but the Lord finally gave me help, but it's amazing how Lord can move in your life. And uh, the thing is this, let him. That's the whole thing. Let him. Before Brother Gustafson got the Holy Ghost, he brought another with him. And he got the Holy Ghost. Brought another one. He got the Holy Ghost. And uh, we kept, the Lord started blessing there. And we had a number receive the Holy Ghost. I had, I had 16 Bible classes every week. Uh, I couldn't handle them all. I had to let him have some. And those that we converted. I was the first one to baptize someone in the name of Jesus on the Isle of Okinawa. And uh I had to use those to help teaching the Bible college, the Bible class. And God blessed, God blessed abundantly. And uh, I even hear from it still once in a while. We sent, uh, we GIs, we paid our tithes there. And... uh we paid them at home. I paid them at home, too. I paid 20% tithes through there. And uh, God blessed all the way through. But I bought songbooks for the Okinawans. And uh, whatever we needed, we bought there. And God blessed abundantly. And I found out that you just can't out-give God. Praise God. and let me mention something else i'm i'm from louisiana dear ritter and uh deep south and i know the prejudice people have with the black people i never had any of that my dad loved them they worked for my dad and i loved them I had, my chums were black people i loved them and I never really—you'd ask me—I, you'd I, I, say they're a different color. I wouldn't even—I said I, I never thought of that. No, they were marvelous people. And whenever I went overseas, I was there two weeks. When a big military policeman came over, and I was in—I was what they call permanent party. I was stationed there two years. But those where I was working with, they were temporary. They stayed six months because we were bombing Okinawa, we were bombing Korea every night. Every night. And so we were the bomb squad that was bombing Okinawa, bombing Korea. And so they stayed six months and went home. Well, here comes this big black man. I get with him. I talk to him. We walk to the China Sea, I baptize him in Jesus name. We go to an old deserted building and pray and, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost and he liked to knock the hole in the floor there. <clears throat> and, uh, every day when I would come in from my work, when I walked to my room, which was in the back of the chapel, he'd be sitting in that chair. He said, brother, artist, let's go send up tim- timbers to heaven. In other words, let's go pray. And so we'd go to an old deserted building and there we'd pray. And he stayed with me six months. Every time I'd baptize someone, he'd say, Brother Artist, baptize me again. <laughs> he loved it. Loved it. Oh, I loved that man. He was, and then he came home. But a week before he came home, another black man came over. I got with him, baptized him. <laughs> and he was my closest companion for the next six months and so then before he left just before he left another one came and god saw to it that i had one with me the entire time i was on okinawa my best my one of my closest and best friends and you talk about great men they were great men the first one brother jack deadweiler came home he went to uh, Backdill Air Force Base, Florida. He re-enlisted. They gave him money for re-enlisting and he bought his pastor a car with that money. And then the next thing I heard from him, he says, brother, brother artist, I'm having trouble paying my income tax. And, uh, well, we just prayed about it. The next thing I heard, he'd gotten out of service and he went to Peoria, Illinois and there he built a church and then he built another. And then he built another. Then he built another. He had, I think, 34 churches. 34 churches. And and the largest, the largest had over 4,000 members. Him preaching this wonderful truth of God. Oh, God's so good. God is so good. Praise the Lord. I thank God. I thank God for all of that experience there and uh uh it was just it was such a such a tremendous blessing. I ran in a lot of trouble. I didn't make the Okinawan very ha- I mean the Americans very happy. I was telling I was telling your pastor I uh in preaching I you know what kind of rub the chap I was in the chaplaincy myself and they didn't like me preaching at all. They tried their best ever way. They tried that every way to put me down. But what was amazing is this I went in the service. You're supposed to spend twenty four months before you can be a buck sergeant. 9 months after I was in there I was a book sergeant beat that by 15 months and then you're supposed to stay 55 months before you could be tech uh, be a staff sergeant i was in 19 months and made staff sergeant see how the lord just blessed and i couldn't understand uh, it was just the blessings of the lord god was so good so good and i learned that you can you can depend on him you can depend on him they had a they did not want a, 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 a denominations in in okinawa so the okinawans banded together they had five together they had methodist baptist uh presbyterian uh some holiness group and another i don't remember the other but they banded together to form the United Church of, of, of Okinawa chairman. And uh, they had their own Okinawan board. And the chairman of that board sent for me. He wanted to hear me about this message. And when he did, the American chaplains heard it, says, if you listen to glass, we withdraw all of our support for you. We'll not rebuild another chapel. We'll not give you another dime. So he never would call me again. However, I did get into the schools there and started baptizing them. They started receiving that wonderful gift to the Holy Ghost. Praise God. As a matter of fact, the number one man in Okinawa, he was the liaison between Okinawa and Japan. I baptized him in Jesus' name. He was my interpreter. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So you don't know, you don't know where, where it's going from. My last report, there were a hundred, few hundred thousand that's been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost on that island. So God is, God is great. Just let Him use you. There's nothing about me. I'm, I'm, I'm just as more of nothing as it can be. But the Lord used me because I let Him do it. I didn't know. What was going to happen, I just went ahead and started preaching and started getting in trouble. And the uh, uh, commanding general sent for me. I went to his office, stood there before his desk, and him sitting there, he says, At rest, sergeant. Then he said, I want to talk to you. You're causing an uproar on this island, and I don't appreciate it. All the chaplains are very unhappy with you. They do not appreciate you going over this island and preaching. And he says, I've called you to order you not to preach again on this island. I says, oh. He said, I mean, don't preach again. If you do, I'm court-martialing you. I said, well, sir. I said, this is American soil now, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. I said, do you know I had four brothers in World War II? And I lost two of them. The other one served behind the Japanese lines as a guerrilla fighter for 16 months. The other served in France. I said, I lost my brothers and the other two served that I might have the privilege of preaching my conscience wherever the United States flag waves. And I said, that flag is waving, and I'm going to preach it, and you and nobody else are going to stop me. He said, you will stop? I says, I will not stop. And oh, that man, he's kind of mad, you know. He jumped to his feet. And he said, I'll have you court-martialed. I said, go right ahead, sir. Go right ahead. He said, you can go. And I hadn't heard from him since. (laughs) I hadn't heard from him since. Praise God. But you see, it it wasn't. He takes care of you. I got in a lot of tight places. I don't know how I got out. But God let me out. God let me out. And, uh, I will say this, I had the time of my life there. <laughs> I loved it. I got a call. I'd been there one year. And I got a phone call on a Monday morning. And Brother Wyman Welburn in DeRitter, Louisiana I said, Brother Artis, your dad died just a few minutes ago. And, uh, I wanted to tell you and I want you to get ready because we're going to bring you home. I says, "Uh, Brother Wyman, I'm broken hearted over my dad dying, but I'm not coming home. He said, what? I said, you leave me alone. Don't touch me. They said, but I said, listen, he's dead and I can't do a thing about it. My coming won't revive him. And I says, I'm in a position here that if I were to leave, what little work I've done will will crater. And I am not leaving. Once you leave, you don't go back. That a station be in the States. I said, I will not leave here. I will stay. I've got one more year and I'll stay here. But Brother Glad- I said, I will stay. Leave me alone. And so I stayed. And then after staying, I did more work after that day than I did before. God knows what He's doing. He knows. And He doesn't mind making me uncomfortable if it'll save somebody. Do you hear me? He don't mind making you uncomfortable if it'll save somebody or help someone. Praise God. So God, God was so real and so wonderful. And I thank God for it. And, uh, I could, I could go on and on. I, I baptized, I had an Okinawan pastor there. And, uh, uh, he was with, with, with me, baptized in Jesus name, filled with all the Holy Ghost. And he and I stood side by side and baptized over 300 people in one day. The next a few Sundays later, baptized over 500 people. And uh, since then, there's been literally thousands. And what we did paid our tithes over there, and uh, we took seven of our students, seven of the Okinawans that we baptized and we're teaching every week, and we sent them to Bible college in Japan. And uh since then they went back to Okinawa and caused a great revival there. So God, God is God is good. God is good. Praise the Lord. Would you say praise the Lord? Forgive me, I did not intend to get off on that, but I did. I'm not sorry, I'm just thankful. God blessed so much and um I I uh really I'll be honest. I stayed in the back of the we had a Quonset, a big steel building, and on the back there was built a room and it was uh, all uh, wired wall and uh many nights, I felt like somebody would stick a gun through that window and shoot me. but I said, "Lord, I'm in your hands. I don't care what happens." The Lord. I mean, you don't you don't know how religious people can get mad. You just don't know when you cross them, when you cross their churches. There, oh listen, they they were bad enough to kill me, but the Lord protected and always did, and He always will. Praise God. Say praise the Lord again. Bless the Lord. Excuse me. But I'll, now I want to talk about this thought right here. I asked you this morning about the greatest day. Uh, when was the greatest day? I mentioned that. I want to ask you tonight. Think about it a minute. When was God at his best Understand what I said? When was God at his best? When was God at the top of the ladder, brother? Couldn't be any better. Did the very best God could do. When was it? Now you got the Bible. I don't know how many times I read this through. Again, I'm just about finished with... I think it's 2 Kings right now, and uh, when I finish that, that'll complete the Bible again. But uh, it's so interesting, it's really, it's really hard for me to put it down when I start reading. But let me ask you again, I want you to think, come on, when was God at his best? When can we point to him and say, God, that's you at the top of the ladder. You can't be any better than that. And I just imagine that so many people would, and maybe you do, would turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis 1 and 1, and that one scripture, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, what a time. You know, it's amazing. When you, when you see how men are so confused today over creation. And we got it all right here. Got it all right here. And so I guess when you think about it, you go that, to that Genesis 1 and 1, that God was at His best when He created the heavens and the earth. And, uh, We'd wonder. I mean, there's no way to figure out how great he was there. I, I, I don't didn't want to get ahead of him. I "Well, I will this way." How vast is our universe? Now, how vast is it? You know, they're discovering new planets every day. They've what is it they've said uh something three hundred million miles in space and it hadn't arrived where it's going yet. Farther you can't you there's no end to it. It's just countless. Worlds and worlds and worlds, how many worlds are out there? Just our galaxy, how big is it? Uh, I'll put it in a crude way. If I could walk across our galaxy at a military pace, 120 steps a minute, I wouldn't even be a third of the way at the end of a billion years. That's how big our galaxy is. And yet God created the heavens. And they're always again finding more galaxies there. And actually to me, it's front yard. That the stars are just a light post in my father's front yard. Praise God. So how incredible it is. And I look at Job. I want to read it. Job chapter 26. I guess one of the favorite chapters that I have. Notice these words. Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. He stretched out the north over the empty space and hanged the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in the thick clouds and the clouds is not rent under them. He beholdeth back, he, he holdeth back the face of the throne and spreadeth the clouds upon it. He hath expressed He hath compressed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divided the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his Spirit he hath sanctified. Or, excuse me, by his spirit he hath garnished the heavens, his hand hath formed the crooked place. Lo, these are part of his ways. Think <laughs> got it. And then it says, how little is known of him. You, you, all your knowledge, all of our knowledge wouldn't fill a thimble about how great our God is. So is that God at his best? Well, no. No, that's, that's not God at his best. Well, God created man. I mean, reach down into the dirt. The dirt. Could have been angel dust. But it wasn't. It was just plain old dirt. For a man out of that and spit on it. So really, you're just a glorified mud ball. That's all you are. You don't believe it, go to the, go to the cemetery. Where are they? You're going back to it too. But if our man... Out of the dust of the earth, and after farming man, what he gave man such knowledge that look what man can do today. I'm I'm, I'm amazed at that. Transplant hearts, lungs, soul, limbs on. What you don't you don't want to say what he can't do, because as sure as you say it he can't do it, you're gonna find out he's done it. So what has man done in his power? You cannot, uh, well, actually, I look at my notes, but I can't hardly see, excuse me, when I have to look a little bit deeper. But, man, you, well, I got it. Isn't it amazing? I got this little bit of cell phone. Not very big at all nothing to it but you know i could call south africa on it tonight and be talking here right here i could call any place in the world on this thing right here right here that's the ingenuity of man and they they're constantly making improvements What are we going to be doing next? What's going to be happening next? You know what I'm talking about. That's the skill of man. Man has an ability to think, to remember, to deal with difficulties, to reach solutions. So how powerful is man? And God put it all in us. That's got to be God at his best. But no. Well, I wasn't God at his best. Well, I, I look again at, I look at Christmas where we celebrate the greatest truth revealed to man. God clothed himself in flesh and everything about man had failed and he came in a manger, the great God of heaven. I've tried to picture it so many times. That little baby. That little baby. In the hands of a little woman, the God of creation, the one that created the world, was in that little little baby. So it's amazing. No wonder people don't want to believe it. It's just too powerful. Praise God. So you see that babe in Mary's arms, and that is God in the hands of a weak, frail woman. And why did it come? For the sole purpose to save us. Praise God. Look at his ministry. Raising the dead. 5,000 plus feeding with five loaves and through fishes. So I could say, well, that's got to be God at his best. But I'm going to say, no, no. No. Well, maybe it was Easter. Easter. Oh, listen, the resurrection. Many tracks led to the graveyard. Moses, Solomon, Buddha, Mohammed, my mom and dad, my wife, my brothers and sisters, led to the graveyard. But you see, his steps led away from the graveyard. He left swinging the keys. I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. Praise God. What a day. What a day. And it seems like that ought to be God at his best. Well, Well, Jesus died for our sins, didn't he? As rotten and no good as we are. And Jesus died for us. Isn't that amazing? I've often thought about whenever the Lord told the apostles, preach my gospel to every creature. One of them spoke, said, Lord, um, uh, what about that man that pierced your side? What about him? Surely not to him. And the Lord said, son, you, you tell that man, there's a quicker way to my heart than with a sword. That's my, the mercy of, of my, which one of us deserves salvation? Praise God. And yet he took me, he took you, forgave our sins, filled us with his spirit. That's got to be God at his best. But I'm going to... I'm going to... No, I don't believe. Well, maybe it's him forgiving our sins after all. Jesus had risen and the disciples... Remember, he said to Mary, You tell my disciples and Peter. Peter denied him. Peter didn't think... Jesus would have anything else to do with him. And then when you see Peter or Jesus turning to Peter to talk to him what was he saying? Was he saying, Peter you denied me three times. I warned you. I warned you. And yet you denied me. He wasn't saying that. He wasn't reproving him. What was he saying? Peter Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Praise God. How how compassionate. How compassionate. How much mercy has people extended to you and me? Praise God. Say praise the Lord. But then he wants to cleanse us with his blood. He paid the price of our sins. And that seemed like that ought to be God at His best. But you you want me to tell you when He was at His best? I will to tell you. When God was at it better than He was in creation. Better than He was on the cross. God was at His best when he looked down into a small town and saw an 18-year-old boy struggling to be happy. Couldn't make up his mind which way to go, what to do. Working two jobs didn't take time to think. And God, one night, I was working seven nights a week, Mother hounding me to go to church. No, I never missed a Sunday morning. They didn't give all the calls Sunday morning. But I'd never go at night. And they are in a revival seven nights a week. And I was working seven days a week. And this Tuesday night, I got off early. And when I got off early... I said, what am I going to do? I called my girl. She's having a test the next day. What am I going to do? And I says, I'll wait till 9 o'clock and I'll walk into church and sit down because the preaching will be over and they'll probably be in the altar and I won't hear a thing. And so that was my plans. I walked in and sat down and I was amazed. The evangelist was still singing. Crow sisters. They were still singing. I thought, what in the world is this? What's going on tonight? This must to be an altar. See, I was going to be in the all I was going to be there and my mother was going to see me and she wouldn't be hounding on me anymore. And I would sit down, and that lady started that altar call. And I declare it lasted two hours. I know it didn't. I said, "When is she going to shut up? Shut up. I want out of here. Be quiet. But I couldn't talk her down. Finally, I said, I guess there's only one way to stop her. And so I got up and went down to that altar. And, uh, that was the, that was the greatest move I ever made. Went down to that altar, prayed that night. Oh, that thrilled my mother. But I figured next night I wouldn't do it, but I went back the next night. And I went back the next night. And I went back, I didn't go back Saturday and Sunday because I was working the theater from 11 in the morning till, till midnight. And so I was, I ran the thing. And so uh Monday night, I was back at church. And whenever I went to the altar, Brother C.E. Cooley, you knew him, I believe. He was Louisiana District uh, Secretary. He was my close friend. He followed me to the altar the next night. My brother Charles followed me. A friend of mine, Arville Peters, followed me. And another one or two, I think five or six fellas, followed me to the altar. And so I went there every night. And finally Thursday night, I just got up and I went and made a phone call and told them, I quit the theater. And they say, you don't. I said, oh, yeah. I picked up my check Saturday. They took bets in the city that I'd be back. And, uh, but I've never been back. And then Sunday night, CE Cooley got the Holy Ghost. And that, I said, Lord, he's, I'm no bigger sinner than him. What, what you want to give him the Holy Ghost before you gave me? I just couldn't understand that. And the next night, back in the altar, I was praying and my brother said, here it is, artist, take it! And I mean, I took it. Me and my brother Charles got the Holy Ghost same time. And you know, I found out that that was God at his best. That was God at his best. You see, it's not what he does for others that counts, but what he does for you. And the amazing thing is, He'll do that to you. Probably has done it to you. But if you haven't surrendered, I promise you this, you'll find out that it's the greatest move you've ever made in your all your born days. Oh, I needed it. I needed it so badly. I was so miserable. I, my, I remember when I went to the altar, and my mother said that, and I said, Son, now, now maybe we can put up with you. I said, what are you, what are you, what are you saying? But I didn't realize how miserable I was making others around me. But whenever God saved me, I got to say that was God at his best. Every time he saves a soul, it's God at his best. They wrote the song, it took a miracle to put the sun in place. It took a miracle to put the moon in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, that's the greatest that God's ever done. Would you lift your hands and praise him? Glory. Glory. Praise God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Praise God.